You're listening to Faith That Works, a podcast ministry of Faith Community Church, Indianapolis, Indiana. This is Pastor Steve Nanny, and I'm so glad that you've tuned in today. Today, we are going to pick up a Sunday morning service. We have been working through the book of Nehemiah in a sermon series called Build. Today, we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 9. Thanks for listening. So today I want to talk to you about I've fallen and I can get up. You remember that commercial from many years ago. It was coined the phrase, I've fallen and I can't get up. But I want to tell you today, I've got better news than that. I've fallen and I can get up with God's help. And that is the story of the Old Testament is a group of people who constantly fall and constantly get up and fall again and get up. By the way, we're having a great time on Wednesday nights, aren't we? Don't forget Wednesday night people. Miss Donna hadn't had a chance to tell you we're going to have a little food Wednesday night. If your class wants to join, we'll all join together for just a little. It's our last Wednesday together. Fellowship this Wednesday. It snuck up on us. Ten Wednesdays. And then we're going to have a little food together Wednesday night. So I'm sure I'll see Garrett. But anyway, nobody got that. I keep picking on Garrett and food today. I don't even think Garrett heard that. I don't think he did. This is ten. This week is 10. So, I want to talk about this idea that I've fallen and I can get up. So let's remember, let's remind ourselves of a few things. We're in the book of Nehemiah. It's the post-exile. Remember, there was a 70-year exile in Babylon. And then the Babylonians were defeated by the Persians. And the Persians allowed them to go back. I'm going to put my hands in my pocket and ask you, how many trips back did they make? Three. Look, Dustin even did it for me. Three, Right? Zerubbabel, Ezra, Nehemiah. So the temple is up. Nehemiah comes back to rebuild the walls. And the Persians give them permission. But technically, the Persians are still in control of the land. If you notice at the end of chapter 9, it says we're here, but it's really not ours. God, you originally gave this to us, and, and, and it was ours, but it's not our land any longer. The Persians technically own it, but they've allowed us to at least live here. And Nehemiah has this burden to rebuild. And we noticed a couple of chapters back that the wall was built in 52 days. But like Dustin said, God's interested in the people more than he is the property, right? God is always interested in the people and the hearts of his people. God is interested in. In Nehemiah chapter 8 last week, we talked about moving from survival to revival. So it's not enough that they just returned from exile. So we've returned from exile. We've built the walls. Now let's just exist. In Nehemiah chapter 8, there's revival. They commit themselves to the word of God and to the worship of God, and they have revival. Can I tell you something? For those of you that feel dry on the inside today, can I ask you to try something for me? Just try it. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Oh, that's the last thing I need. It's so boring. Read your Bible. In it is living water. Thirst. You're thirsty. You need to get in the Word. You need to worship God. Let Him wash over you. So the people's desire was to return, but not just physically. The people knew. These are people who had heard grand stories of Solomon building a temple and the glory of God so strong, they couldn't even open the doors. Can you imagine? They built a temple, Solomon built a temple, and the glory of God fell so strong, they couldn't even get in the door. Couldn't get in the door. And the people knew, we want that again. 
right? I want that again. I want the glory of God to fill this place. I want people at the altar. I want people, God, and here's what we say. Oh, it's a different time. Same God. It's the same God. Let's quit giving the devil any credit because, well, it's a darker time. It's an evil time. Pastor Steve, don't you know we're in a pandemic? You think God doesn't know that? Right? And can I tell you, now here's the thing, and I don't want to get all pandemic on you today because that's the last thing. You come here to escape that. But I'm telling you what, this thing's going to get spiritual. It already is. It's a spiritual battle for your heart and for your mind. And don't you dare let the enemy make you afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear, and faith always trumps fear. Can I tell you that even though the coronavirus is peaking, oh my gosh, God is still on the throne doing quite well. Thank you very much. He's not lost anything. He's not given up position. And so we don't need to back up or position ourselves differently because of what we're in. We, in fact, we need to lean in more. We need to lean in more because the world is screaming, stop. And we, can I tell you something? If you want to destroy a people, you spread them out. You want to make them afraid, you put them by themselves. You isolate them. It's a great way to use fear against us. But God has not given us fear. Fear comes from our enemy. So in Nehemiah chapter 9, here we are on the 24th day. Nehemiah chapter 8 was day 1. Nehemiah chapter 9 is the 24th day. What are they still doing? They're still having church. Right? How many of you remember when we used to have revivals? You go to church, well, back in the day, maybe two weeks at a time. Then they cut it back to one week at a time. I remember my parent, my mother, and I'm going to school all day, church at night. Get up, school all day. My mama would work all day, fix dinner, get in the car. It's revival time. Spring revival, fall revival. We can't get people to come once a week. We need the Lord's help, right? But here they are 24 days into this, worshiping, confessing their sins. Right, that's the one thing we hate doing. Right, when we confess our sins, we do it so quick. Lord, I love you, you're awesome. I said, and by the way, I just want to thank you for all your goodness. For 24 days, they fell on their face and said, God, we have sinned. Our fathers have sinned. Our grandfathers have sinned. We have turned our backs to you, right? And I'm telling you what, God listens to the broken. God listens to the humble. He listens to the broken. So Nehemiah chapter 9 is the longest prayer. God people, listen, God moves when they humble themselves, pray, seek his face, and confess sin. You've, we've heard this verse so much that we've given up and think it's not true. But if my people humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their life. I don't know about you, but I want that. I want that for our church. I want that for our land. I want that for our communities. I want that in our families. Husbands and wives, we need to start humbling ourselves and confessing your sin. Can you hear that? No, that's not fun. I, we're not interested in fun. We're interested in right. Because right brings joy. Right? See, so we, we, try to, we try to fake it because we just want some kind of temporary. But if you're looking for deep peace and deep 
joy that the world can't take away, it comes from getting your heart right with God. Does that make sense? Well, you can lay your head on your pillow at night and you say, Lord, here I am. You know I did my best today. God, you have all of me. All of me, Lord. Now, I'm not saying God's looking for perfection. He's looking for the purity of your heart. He's looking for the purity of your heart. So out of their desire. Now, remember, chapter 8, we talked about their desire. So guess what? They assembled together again, all of them. Let's come together again. They separated themselves. This is important because they said, you know, there's other foreign people around. Hey, we need to pull back and just be with ourselves. Sometimes you got to pull back out of your normal routine because there's something in your life. Let me see if I can explain this in a way that makes sense. Sometimes you've got to give up something that's pulling you away from God. Some of you love a television. And ain't nothing evil about television until it draws you away from God. Sometimes you might have to turn it off for a season to get your heart where it needs to be with God. Everybody following that? Sometimes you got to do the necessary hard thing because you want something you don't have. You hearing that? If you want something you've never had, you're going to have to do something you've never done. So, well, that seems kind of simple. It's really not. It's easy to say, right? Some of you got to put the apple pie down. Right? You're just an apple pie addict. You can't stop. You can't quit. Every place, right? And so it's pulling you. It's doing something. So you've got to find that thing. You've got to separate. You've got to confess your sins. But here's the thing. Listen, the reason we don't confess our sins is I'm comparing myself to Bill. Now, Bill sat in the back because he thought I might pick on him if he sat up here. So I thought I'd just go ahead and pull him out. <laughs> is that okay with you, Miss Ruth? See, Bill, you ain't getting out of that. I'm just kidding. See, what's this? So here's what we do. We justify ourselves to somebody else. We measure ourselves to somebody else. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I'm in the middle. I'm an average Christian. I go to church an average number of times. I read my Bible an average number of times. And, and why are we, and we're measuring ourselves against the wrong thing. Here's your measuring tool right here. Th this is your measuring don't measure yourself against a pastor or a person or the guy at work or somebody you're married to or one of your children or don't measure the most spiritual person you know. If I could just be like them, here it is, right here, God's Word. You measure yourself against the measurement that's found in God's Word. And when I read God's Word, we've talked about this. It's like looking in the mirror and I have to say, dear Lord, i got to do something about my face. You wake up in the morning and you say, Lord, I need help. I read the Bible, I say, Lord, I need help. I read my Bible and I say, Lord, I'm a long way. And God says, it's okay, we're going to get there. I'm not, I'm not condemned. I might be convicted, but I've fallen and I can't get up. They committed to seeking God. So think about this, a quarter of the day, the day being 12 hours, they decided we're going to gather together. We talked about this last week. On the first day, Ezra stood up. Here we are on the 24th day for a three-hour reading of the Bible. That's incredible, isn't it? Another three hours, they said, we'll do another three hours confessing our sins and worshiping God. So desires, listen to this, pure desires lead to revelation, Right? If you've got the back here, I think we're going now with the blanks. For those of you who've been waiting, you've been waiting for that blank. Pure desires lead 
to revelation. And if we need anything, we need revelation. Fresh. You hear that? See, because here's what, listen to me for just a second. I, I want you to hold on to this. A lot of you would say, I heard the voice of God on the day that I got saved, but I'm not sure how much I've heard God since then. And I'm telling you that God wants to speak to you on a regular basis. He wants to talk to you. He wants to speak to you. And if you come to God with pure desire, God will reveal himself to you. And watch this. And when he reveals himself, you better hold on. He's going to blow your mind. It's going to blow your mind with revelation. So watch this. So the first revelation that they had is we have fallen away. We've fallen away. They looked inside and they said, wait a minute. I realize now who I am. They realized who they were. They had fallen away. They realized they had sinned against God. Now, if we could have anything, we need a fresh awareness of what our sin does. We need a fresh awareness. And, and, and so we have to be careful. I, I don't, and then, we'll just have to get in this just a second. We cheapen the cross of Jesus when we sin flippantly. Like it's no big deal. You ever, you ever had a, a, maybe one of your children say, I'll just go ahead and do this because I know my parents will forgive me. And you're like, mm, I don't like that attitude. Right? And how many times have we done that to God? The forgiveness of God is abundant. The grace of God is amazing. Jesus died on the cross. I've got daddy's credit card in my pocket and I'll run it if I need it. God help us. Can you imagine giving your kid, I use this in my Bible class all the time, a credit card, going to college. Son, it's an emergency credit card. It's $500. If you need it, you use it. The next month, the credit card statement comes out, you see $500 of Chinese food on that credit card. You call your son up. Are you kidding me? I give you a $500 emergency credit card. You go, Mugu, guy paying on me? Are you kidding me? Why would you do that? Well, Dad, I knew, you know, I just, I just, hey, we do that to God all the time. We do that to God all the time. God help us for abusing the grace of God. And here's the thing, though. Understand this. Who sinned? All of us. We have all sinned. Romans, Paul said it. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, you say, why are archery targets on the screen? I'm going to explain it. Because sin literally means to miss the mark. So let's say, for example, I've got the, I've got the left target here. I've got my bow and arrow, and I hit, I, I mean, I'm a terrible shot. I don't even hit the target. I got 20 arrows. I let them fly. 19 of them missed the whole thing. They, it's just in the woods somewhere in the back. And I get one somewhere on the outside. I've clearly missed the mark. I am a sinner. And then over here, Mark Brigham, he's an expert shot. He's got 20 arrows, 19 of them bullseye. Number 20 off to the red just a little bit. He is a sinner. He missed the mark. We have all Missed the mark. We have all sinned. There is none of us, hear this, none of us who have hit the mark. One man, Jesus. He hit it, bullseye. 
And it's his blood that makes us clean. You understand that? But you, sinner, me, sinner, anybody, right? Can I tell you what will help you? What will help you in the world? Because we're all kind of starting to get frustrated and mad at each other. These are all people Jesus died for. They're all sinners, just like me. I wonder if they know what I know. Does, do they know? What, do, do they know what I know? Do, do they know that even though they've missed the mark, Jesus will fix them? That Jesus will take their brokenness and he'll repair them? He'll give them new? You see, because here's the cool thing, is that I missed, I missed all 19, and I hit one off to the side, and I take my target, and everybody's laughing at me because my target's pitiful. I've got one hole in the whole sheet. And Jesus says, give me that. I'll take that. You take mine. Wait a minute. His has got 20 bullseyes. He wants to trade me? All day, Jesus does this. Every day, Jesus does this. Oh, you, you're a sinner? That's okay. I got you. You take my robe. I'll take yours. Uh, what, but, 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 but Jesus, the, the penalty for missing the mark is death. I know. I know. I got you. I, I got you. I'll trade you. Come on, church. Anybody hearing this today? That is grace and love. It's amazing. We've missed the mark. And they had a revelation that we've fallen away. Out of their desire came confession. Out of their desire came holiness. Out of their desire, brokenness. Out of their desire, worship. They saw themselves, but more importantly, they saw God. Now, that's important. Don't miss that. Because what happens is we dwell on the fact that we're sinners. There's some people just want to talk about how bad they are all the time. I'm just a bad person. I'm just terrible. I'm never going to get this right. I used to read. I used to pray. I used to try to live for God, but then I blew it so many times. I just said, you know, I'll just kind of, eh, I'll just do whatever. I'll find a middle ground and just whatever. I'm, not, I'm never going to get it. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not, I'm not equipped enough. I've tried to fix this. I've tried to do this. But see, here's the thing. The problem is you're looking on the inside. You've got to look up. Because here's what, here's, the gospel is not Jesus saves you and then you're on your own to try to figure out your holiness. No, 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 no. He made you holy. Now walk in it. The gospel is you're clean. You're free. Walk in it. Be who what Jesus has already made you on the inside. It's the inside out. It's not the outside in. Some of you are trying to stop cussing, stop eating, stop doing this, stop doing that. I got to get my money together. I got to stop this. I got to stop my, I got to treat people. I got anger. I got bitterness. I got all this kind of stuff. And you're not fixing and you're frustrated because you're not letting Jesus do it. See, you're, you're, you're not going to fix this until this fixes. Then when the heart changes, then everything changes. And you say, wait a minute, that seems too easy. Oh, it might be, it's not as easy as you think, number one. Number two, it costs Jesus his life. That, 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 that's part of the promise of the Holy Spirit coming and filling you so you can live a full life. They saw who God was. And the revelation number two is that God remains the same. On your worst day, God is here. On your best day, God is here. God remains the same. I don't know about you, that's good news. So can I tell you, in the middle of COVID-19, God remains the same. And when this thing is over with, and it's going to get over, it'll be over one day. It'll be over one day. You know, we've officially gotten to the point that I watch things on TV and I'm like, oh, that's clearly pre-COVID because they're all bunched up together. 
Like I watch YouTube videos, worship videos, and I'm like, oh, that's pre-COVID because they're all standing right on top of each other. Because now, you know, everybody's got to be spread out and that sort of thing. But God remains the same. Can I tell you, however much money you have in the bank, same God. Sick, same God. Well, same God. You got employed, you're employed, you're glad about your job, same God. Out of work, same God. It's the same God in every season, in every situation, in every circle. I don't know about you, that comforts me. To know that my God is rock solid on every day. You and I have good days and bad days. God has them all good. God doesn't have, you know, I wonder if I'm bothering him today. Are you kidding me? He's God. Talk to him. Look what they said in chapter 9, verses 5 and 6. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven with all their hosts, the earth, and all that is in it, the seas, and all that is in them, and the host of heaven worships you. So good news. Listen to this. Revelation number one, we have fallen, but fallen is not the state we have to stay in. We have fallen, but fallen is not, hey, that's good news, say amen. It's good news, you've fallen. We've all fallen. But God says, don't stay down. Don't stay down. Don't stay down. Revelation two, because of who God is, he's the only one that can save us. Now, you need to hear that. Some of you have been trying to fix yourself, and it's not getting any better, because guess what? You can't. You won't and you never will fix yourself. The only way there'll be improvement in your fallen state is when you just cry out to God, God, save me. Did you notice when Peter starts sinking in the Sea of Galilee, why didn't he just start swimming? That just hit me. Because he knew he needed God. He didn't trust in his own. We all give him a hard time for going down, but at least he's out of the boat. I let him stand back watching, right? So Peter's out on the water. We give him, oh, Peter, he just sank. Hey, guess what? But he did when he sank say, what did he say? Three words, Lord, save me. Some of you today just need to say, Lord, save me. Save me from what? Save me from myself. Save me from myself. God, I am not who I want to be. Lord, save me. Save me. Confess it. God is the only one. The wages of sin is death. Oh, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the people of the wall decided it was time to get up. It's time to get up. We've been down long enough. We got the wall up, right? We got the wall up. Now it's time for us to get up. And you can't get up till you fall down. Now hear that. I'm not talking about falling down. I'm talking about falling on your face before God and saying, God, save me. Until you fall down. You will never get up. And the only way, I love Proverbs 24, 16. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. See, here's the thing. You have to decide for yourself. I want to get up. I don't want to live the way I've been living anymore. Look at me, everybody. You're the only one. That's what I tell people all the time. You have to ask. People say, well, I just want God to do something. You have to ask him. Well, I'm just going to keep coming to church. You have to ask him. My parents are solid. You have to ask. Or you're going to drown. You'll drown in this life. You have to ask. It's your decision. If you're fallen, you have to confess, get up. And see, this is why I'm trying to get us to think differently. We, I'm not talking about attending church. I'm not talking about being religious. 
I'm not talking about having 20 Bibles. I'm talking about you saying, God, help me. God, help me. Jesus is standing on the shore with a life raft ready to throw it out. Are you going to ask or are you going to drown? And how many people do you know every day just go down, just drown, just go down? The only way to get up is to acknowledge your falling and his greatness. Because here's the good news. He's glad to help you. Boy, I'm glad that I don't, there's not a limit to my falling. Isn't that good news? I'm glad that this, there's one day I say, God I, God, I blew it again. Save me. Nope, I punched that card for the last time. You're out. Every time. Every time. That's how faithful how faithful God has. So we're not going to read all this, but let's, we're going to compare. I, I, um, I spent some time in, in college singing in a, in a choir, and we used to have these things called antiphonal songs, right? These antiphonal songs where one group, we, we would, we would, we'd walk into this church and we'd sing, and one group of us would stand on one side of the room, and one of us would stand on another side of the room, and we would kind of echo back and forth, these antiphonies, Back and forth. Well, guess what? In, in Nehemiah chapter 9, you see Antiphony. He, 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 the, the prayer goes into what God has done, what we have done. What God has done, what we have done. So look what he says what God has done. You chose Abraham. You made a covenant. You saw the affliction and heard the cry. You divided the sea. You cast pursuers into the depths. You led them by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. You came and spoke. You gave them rules. You gave bread from heaven. You brought us water. You told them to go possess the land. Boy, God's done a lot. Look what they did. We acted presumptuously. We stiffened our necks. We did not obey. We refused to obey. We were not mindful of the wonders. We appointed a leader to return to Egypt. They might as well say, we are big dummies. We made a golden calf and said, this is our God. We committed great blasphemies. And so at that point of the scripture, you would think, at that point of God's story, wouldn't you say God just like, all right, it's lightning bolt time. I'm done with all y'all. Boom. Next. But no. God was ready to forgive. He was gracious and merciful. He was slow to anger, abounding in love. He did not forsake us. He gave us good spirit to instruct. God, you sustained. We lacked nothing. God, you gave kingdoms and peoples and you brought us into the land. You captured fortified cities. We, you ate. We were filled. But what we have done is we were disobedient. We rebelled. This sounds like my story. I don't know if it sounds like yours. This sounds like my story. I cast your law behind. I did evil. God, we did not obey. We sinned against your rules. We turned a stubborn shoulder, stiffened their neck. I, every time I think when the Bible talks about stiffening their neck, you ever met a toddler that you tell them what to do and they just, no, right, right? You understand what I'm talking about now, right? Because we've done that in our hearts to God. God's like, hey, here's what I need you to do. No, I'm not going to do that. Hey, I need, to start, I need you to start giving 10% of your money. No way, I'm not giving that money. Mine. I need you to surrender your life. It's my life, God. Tell me what to do. And can I tell you, God just keeps loving. Just come on. Come, come on. Come on now. 
Come on, just give it to me. Come, aren't you thankful? Because if I'm God, I'm going. <laughs> what is wrong with you? You better give me what I want. I know I'm smarter than you, right? But God's like, come on now. Come on, Bridget. You know, you know, Bridget. You know, Bridget. Bridget, we can do this all day or you can just give it to me. I'm just going to wait on you. What a good God we've got. <laughs> what a good God. So God heard from heaven, delivered us, warned them to turn back. He bore with us. He did not make an end to them. God, you did not forsake us. So here's the summary. What has God done? God's been righteous. God's been faithful. What have we done? We've acted wickedly. We've not kept God's law. We've not paid attention to God's commandments. This sounded like, this sounded familiar? Now here's the thing, I'm, I'm not talking about, I know most of you in the room would say, I'm a Christian and my heart belongs to Jesus. But I'm saying there are seasons in life we rebel. There are seasons in life we go a different way. And we have to confess it to God. We have fallen, and only God can pick us up. We have fallen, and only God can pick us up. So, listen, they said in verse 36, we're slaves. We understand it, God. We know. We know that we are riding out a punishment that we deserve. Don't you love it when you give your children a punishment and they go, you're right. You're right. It's what I deserve. Thank you for loving me enough to discipline me. You're like, my kids never said that. How great would it be if we said, God, I'm exactly where I deserve to be. And God, I, I admit my fault. I humble myself before you. I should have known better. I should have done better. I'm telling you what, you want to get heaven's attention, you fall on your face and cry out to God. You will get the attention of heaven in a second when you come broken to God. When you say, God, I can't, I'm, I'm done. God, I'm done. God, I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. You'll get the attention of heaven. See, it's the prodigal son who had the revelation, I deserve better than this. He's sitting, eating the food of pigs. And he said, my father's servant does better than this. And he said, I'm going home. Can you hear that? The prodigal son said, I'm going back to daddy's house. I can't eat like this anymore. I'm tired of living the life. I've been selfish. I've sinned against my father and I'm going home. And here comes the son. But you catch this part of the story? That the father sits on the porch. He sees his son coming and he runs. The father, the father, you hear that? The father runs to the son Hey, you want to see God run to you today? You want to grab the attention of heaven today? Come broken. Come confessing. Come humbly. Come admitting. Your marriage is broke. Admit it! Your children, put them on the altar of God. Confess it. Yourself, your own heart, isn't what it needs to be. Get it right with God. Confess it. Admit it. Renew, we made a firm covenant in writing. Can I tell you, God will pick you up. Can I, right there. God will pick you 
up. The Father will see you come, and he will come running back to you. So we've all fallen. Have we not? We've all fallen. So don't tell me your fallenness is worse than my fallenness or that you've fallen, well, you don't understand, Pastor, how far I've fallen. I know that you've never fallen so far God can't get you. I know that there's no such thing as outside the reach of the hand of God. So I don't care if you, if you thought, well, when I go, you know, I just, I'm faking it or I'm not right where I need to be or whatever your situation is today, you've not gone so far that God can't pick you up. And it's time to move from victim to victor. No more victims. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. My parents didn't raise me right. But you got a new daddy now. His name is God the Father. You don't need to, you don't need to put off on anybody else what you've ever done. Jesus is your big brother. You're in good shape. You're in good shape. No more victim mentality. Oh, Pastor, you just don't understand what I've been through. We've all been through something. Just, just stop whining. We've all been through something. we all got somebody in our family tree that's just a nut job. And we can blame it on somebody. Stop blaming yourself on somebody else and own it. You are broken. I'm broken. We're all broken. Well, all like sheep have gone astray, each one to our own way, but God. We, should, we could have called today, but God. But God. But God. But God in his mercy. He's saying, he's saying come home. Come home. You say, well, pastor, I'm just, I'm just going to keep coming to church. Nope, it's time to come home. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Come to come home. It's time to come home. Come all the way home. Come all the way home. Pastor, I don't even know what that looks like. Just come all the way home. You've been holding something back. Come all the way home. You've been eating, out, uh, you've been eating in the pigsty. Come on home. Come on home. Admit it. You're not where you want to be. God wants to bring you home. He wants you to search deep in your heart. He wants you to come home today. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Right now. Thanks so much for tuning in today. You've been listening to Faith That Works, the ministry of Faith Community Church, Indianapolis, Indiana. If you're ever in the Indianapolis area, come join us Sundays at 10 a.m., 6 p.m., and we have Bible studies throughout the week, ministries for all ages. We are at 6801 South East Street in Indianapolis, Indiana, 46227. Come see us sometime. God bless you. And just always remember that Jesus changes everything.